Greetings and welcome to this edition of Faith to Live By. I'm your host of this weekly podcast where I seek to help us discern current events from a biblical worldview so we can know how God wants us as his children to respond and see his kingdom will done on earth as it is in heaven. As a charismatic apologist, I seek to help us learn what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth. We need both operating in balance at all times, else we'll have what I'll call a chink in our armor that allows the enemy to have a point of entry. And based on the advancement of evil worldwide, we must admit we've allowed a chink in our armor to become a gaping hole, a worldwide open gate for the enemy to come in like a flood. Today and next week, I bring you additional wisdom and insight from international journalist Alex Newman. As an award-winning journalist, author, educator, and consultant, Alex seeks to glorify God in all he does, which is evident by his compassion for the body of Christ and his leadership in helping us to know how to partner with God, to not give up or give in to fear, but to take our place in God's plan. My focus with Alex today is for us to understand how the enemy of God has been working for decades in Ukraine with the full support of the United States government without the knowledge or consent of the American people, and the reality of the unconscionable treatment the Ukrainian people have received from their own vicious government. As the prophets have been saying, and I shared last week, God has cautioned us to know that things are not as they seem. Mainstream media is lying to us to promote the deep state cabal and the one world order, selling out the people of the nations of the world for their own power-hungry agenda. This is clearly reflective of Satan's effort to overcome God's people and gain his own place of power and authority. The Bible is clear. The nations of the world are Christ's inheritance, which is why the enemy of God seeks to destroy sovereign nations and why we as God's people must not allow this to happen. I'm upset today, and I don't mind sharing this with you because unless I share what I'm upset about, we'll continue in the same way we have, experiencing anxiety, fear, dread, defeat, and utter ineffectiveness against sin and evil in this world. Unless we stand up and take hold of the victory Christ died to give us, we, as God's people, are allowing the enemy to advance, and we make a mockery of the cross. Largely, within Christendom, we have been going about our faith the same way we always have, but in these perilous times, expecting different results. Doing things the same way but expecting different results is the contemporary definition of insanity. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve, quote, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force, end quote. I believe this passage is key for us today to cause us or to force us out of our ignorance-induced slumber and to intentionally position us for the victory Christ died to give us. With all that's going on in the world, the victory Christ died to give us is needed more in our days than ever before. Listen, there's been lots of prophecies spoken over me, all of which I've taken to heart, and I've pondered and I've prayed over and sought the Lord for discernment and fulfillment. Several years ago now, Shirley Bridwell and Pastor Christina Williams spoke over me a lengthy word that has stayed with me in such a way that I own it. It was said that I would speak to large groups of people for God, and that I would have three different impacts depending on the times and the message. One persona would be like that of a graceful ballerina, where I would speak the word of God in ways that allowed the hearers to feel the grace and beauty and the love of God, in such a way that they grew in their intimacy with God. Another persona would be like that of a jovial clown, where I make people laugh, bringing them to a light-hearted experience of the full release of their burdens, and with complete confidence in Christ. And the third way would be that of a military general, 
where the authority and commands I spoke were received in all readiness and implemented without question. Today, I'm the general. I'm upset because the Christian messages I've been reading lately, with few exceptions, are for the individual, to the exclusion of the body of Christ, without consideration of all that's going on around us, all the destructive works of the enemy going on in our midst. The entire body of Christ worldwide is suffering. Yet the majority of messages I hear, including from pulpits, are for the individual, mostly promoting how to feel good. How to personally feel good with everything that's going on in the world? Really? Encouragement for us to feel good has its merit, but it's insufficient for today. It's out of sync with the realities of our day. This kind of message actually isolates God's people, preventing us from experiencing the power of unity. The power of unity is more essential today than any time perhaps in the history of the world. In Hosea 4.6, God says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. End quote. God is not talking about people who don't belong to him. He's talking about his own people perishing for their ignorance. Ignorance simply means a person doesn't know or have experience in a given area. In and of itself, ignorance is innocent. But did you know the Bible is clear that willful ignorance is a sin? When God has supplied every ability for us to know something, but we choose to put blinders on or to look another way and pretend it doesn't even exist, we're operating in willful ignorance. There are many passages about God's people suffering greatly due to willful ignorance. Perhaps the most compelling is Romans chapter 1. The subtitle for this section of scripture in many Bibles is, quote, God's wrath on unrighteousness. The first question we ask ourselves should be, is it possible for believers, that is, people who are born-again Christians, to be unrighteous? If we properly understand the biblical meaning of righteousness, we will see there are two different applications. First, is righteousness reckoned to us or counted or imputed to us by God once we place our faith in Christ? The other is righteousness identified by the acts of the saints or how Christians live their daily lives. This second application clearly depends on our knowledge of God's Word and our obedience to His Word. We readily admit disobedience to God's Word is not only possible, but often occurs among Christians. Therefore, it is possible for Christians to be unrighteous as it pertains to our behavior. With this in mind, please listen to the Apostle Paul's admonition from Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up, in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. 
And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. End quote. In light of this passage, I want you to picture yourself alone in your dressing room, before a three-way mirror, naked, with all of your thoughts, motives, desires, and deeds visible for you to clearly see. Now, I want you to picture Jesus standing behind you, with his gentle and loving hands on your shoulders. What does Jesus want you to see about yourself? You cannot be anything other than completely honest in the situation. It's imperative you're honest, lest you be subjected to the discipline the Apostle Paul revealed. It's your choice. This is the day of reckoning, the day of choosing to walk in obedience to God and be accounted righteous, or continue to walk in disobedience and be subjected to God's discipline. Make no mistake, the hour of discipline and judgment has come. Look around at everything that's been going on in the world, especially these past two years plus. I and many others who speak and teach for God have been proclaiming these are the years where God has been exposing all manner of evil so that those who belong to him can see the errors of their ways, repent and realign with God and get into lockstep with what he is doing on earth today. People, it's time to wake up. It's time we understand what's been going on all around us and what is needed in this very hour to turn matters around, to violently apprehend the evil before us and entirely subdue it in order for the righteousness of God to prevail. Speaking as a general, there are orders from heaven that have been given, prophetic words in the chain of command for the purposes of first revealing God's strategic plans, second, to assure us of the victory providing God's people properly respond to his commands through obedience. Just like any military operation, the success of the battle orders is up to the boots on the ground. We are living in urgent days, pressing days, violent days, and we must take back our ground by force, spiritual forces, through decreeing and declaring truth and being engaged in the spiritual warfare until we see the victory of the battle. What I'm upset about are the lies within the church that has Christians believing God's got this all under control and we need not do anything except sit back and attend to ourselves with the church meetings and the sermons to help us feel good. No, God has always been clear. He expects his people to join with him in the fight against evil. The enemy has lied to us and the lies have been perpetrated by many leaders within the church. Yes, God is sovereign over all, but that does not make him responsible for all. There is still the power of a free will at work with the enemy and also from God's own people. There's been a lot of talk among the prophetic about treason of our earthly governmental leaders. But what about the serious charge of treason among God's people? Okay, having vented, now let me share with you the first portion of my recent interview with Alex Newman. Alex Newman, I want to thank you once again for gracing us with your time. I know you're exceptionally busy, 
But you are one of the few people that I know I can count on to help us make sense out of what's going on in the world from not only a biblical point of view, but a prophetic point of view, and then a political point of view. So I want to talk today about the United States' involvement with Ukraine, which in my limited research tells me it's been going on for quite a long while. What can you help us understand about the United States' relationship with Ukraine? Well, thank you so much for having me, Pam. I so appreciate the opportunity to come on. It's an honor and a pleasure, and I love the work that you're doing, so thank you. Uh, you know, I, I view Ukraine as really a deep state playground wonderland. I mean, it's, it's a money laundering operation. It's a, a source for uh, children and, and other evil things for evil people. It is, it, it's a very unfortunate situation. I've, I've been to Ukraine even in the last few years. I have many good friends from Ukraine. And uh, my heart breaks for them, for what they're going through and for what they have been going through. Uh, it, it truly is astounding, the level of poverty and corruption. Uh, you know, I grew up mostly in the third world and I regularly went to you know some of the roughest slums in the world. And you go to Ukraine and you're still, you're just shocked. I mean, you, you see farms and people are like manually tilling the soil. You're like, my goodness, did I go back in time hundreds of years? And you've got corrupt cops, corrupt government, corrupt members of parliament. I mean, the, the whole thing is like a a giant criminal operation. It's disgusting. And unfortunately, um, our elites here in the United States on both sides of the aisle have been extremely active in benefiting from this and protecting this in securing this. And, and you look at the oligarchs that uh, kind of run the Ukraine, and it, it's such a troubling picture that emerges, Pam. First of all, many of them are, quote unquote, former communist bigwigs. Uh, many of them are, in fact, uh, former senior officials with the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. So uh, just like uh, Anatoly Golichin warned us, the highest defector, the most important defector to ever come out of the KGB and defect to the West, the, the collapse of communism, I believe, was almost entirely fraudulent. Uh, you know, after, after Nazi Germany fell, we hung the war criminals. We hung the people who were torturing and murdering and running these camps. Uh, what happened after the collapse of the Soviet Union? Absolutely nothing. Uh, the, these butchers, these mass murderers, these uh, barbarians and savages, instead of being put on trial and, and imprisoned and punished for their crimes, uh, they just rebranded themselves. They called themselves oligarchs. They called themselves uh, you know, leaders of new political parties. But the, the control mechanisms, the levers of power remained in the hands of the corrupt. And you can see the, the direct linkages between the oligarchs that run the Ukraine and the, and I call them oligarchs here in the United States, the George Soros's of the world, the Biden crime families of the world. Uh, and unfortunately, it's very bipartisan. And I, I'm not meaning to just pick on Democrats. There are, there's more than enough corruption on the Republican side to go around. And I'll give you one really, really clear example. And there's so many of them, but in the interest of time, I'll give you one really clear one. Uh, there is a Ukrainian oligarch named uh, Ihor Kolominsky, and uh, he was, we now know, the owner of Burisma Holdings. This is the corrupt so-called energy company that was paying uh, Hunter Biden, the crackhead, the, the demented, uh, treasonous son of Joe Biden, the, the alleged president of the United States, $50,000 a month to sit on the board. Uh, he had absolutely no energy expertise. In fact, he had no business expertise. The guy literally was a crackhead. The only thing he had to offer was uh, political connections in Washington, D.C. to his father. So this uh, billionaire, he owned uh, multiple energy companies, actually through uh, shell corporations in uh, Bermuda, shell corporations in the British Virgin Islands and Cyprus, a totally corrupt uh, scheme. He also is the guy who groomed Zelensky for president. Uh, and, and this is a very well-documented fact. He owned the media company that Zelensky had that goofy TV show, uh, Servant of the People, that portrayed Zelensky, an actor, as a, kind of a normal guy who suddenly became president by speaking out against the oligarchs. 
Uh, the irony should not be lost on anyone that it was an oligarch that came up with this idea and marketed this to the Ukrainian people. So the same oligarch that was uh, putting children of American political leaders on his payroll was also grooming the, the current deep state stooge that runs the Ukraine. And, uh, you know, I, I think these are the types of things that people need to be aware of. And, and there's more to that, too. The same uh, oligarch, Kolomoisky, is also one of the leading financiers of all these out of control militias that are running around Ukraine. The Azov Battalion is you know, a neo-Nazi group that openly flies swastikas and things like this. So when you see all these connections uh, and, and again, there's plenty on the Republican side, too. Uh, there was one Ukrainian oligarch uh, sent one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars to John Bolton. A uh, member of the Council on Foreign Relations, supposedly a Republican, but a big time neoconservative and interventionist. Uh, so there's so much of this corruption. And, and I think that's how Ukraine needs to be understood. Uh, it, it's just been a, a tool for the elites uh, in the West and in Russia to enrich themselves and to uh, loot uh, an innocent population. You know, you mentioned that it was a deep state playground, that Ukraine is a deep state playground for many of these oligarchs and these self appointed elite. And you mentioned children. And when you mentioned that, you specifically are referring to human trafficking, right? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It's uh, it, what, what's going on in Ukraine regarding the, the trafficking of children. And uh, it, it's so horrific. You almost can't even process it. Um, unfortunately, there's many, many children in Ukraine who are dropped off at orphanages. Uh, and this just uh, it allows so many opportunities for monsters to take advantage of that. Um, and, you know, that, that's not to say that all of the orphanages, in fact, many of them are run by wonderful Christians who, who truly want to do what the Lord has called us to do, which is to take care of widows and orphans. But uh, whenever you have a situation like that, evil, wicked people take uh, full advantage. And um, there, there should be no doubt in anybody's mind that a lot of that is going on in Ukraine. In fact, Ukraine is probably one of the premier sources uh, in, in Europe and in, in the so-called um, Western nations where, where these children are coming from. Yeah. You know, Alex, part of what we all need to do, and we've learned this over the years, is to follow the money and find out what the money is telling us. And in what little research I've done, there has been billions upon billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars given to the Ukraine over, what, at least the last 10 years? What can you help us understand about that? And with the biolabs, and of course, you already talked about Burisma Holdings and the, the energy part of it. Can you help us make sense out of why the United States is funding Ukraine and has been for several years? Uh, part of it is to enrich all the cronies and, and the crooked elites. Uh, they're, they're dumping billions of dollars of our taxpayer money into Ukraine, and then uh, it is flowing into the pockets of the corrupt elites. Um, and, and interestingly, a lot of it is flowing into the pockets and the bank accounts of Russians. Uh, you know, the IMF back in 2014 was showering money on Ukraine, uh, a lot of it straight from the pockets of hardworking Americans. And then uh, Ukraine was in massive debt to Russia, to Gazprom, to Putin. And, uh, and so a lot of that money that American taxpayers were showering on Ukraine under the guise of helping them defend against Russia was actually going right into the bank accounts of Russians. And plenty of it was, was circling back and going right into the bank accounts of Ukrainian oligarchs and American oligarchs. And there, there are so many of these. Uh, you know, another one that's worth mentioning is one uh, by the name of Pinchuk, uh, Victor Pinchuk. Um, he's the one I mentioned that was uh, throwing money at John Bolton, uh, the, the uh, globalist neoconservative who um, weaseled his way into the Trump administration. Thankfully, Trump uh, fired him for very good reason. 
Uh, but this Pinchuk uh, is also uh, very, very closely connected to uh, George Soros. Uh, he's given over $10 million in this money that he loots from people to the Clinton Foundation, right? So the Clintons get the kickbacks when the money is showered on Ukraine. Uh, as I mentioned, he's, he's a very close ally of uh, George Soros. He's very closely connected to a bunch of uh, Russian oligarchs who just so happen to be uh, very close to uh, Russian strongman Vladimir Putin. And uh, Pinchuk is also a key player in the World Economic Forum. So it's uh, it's unbelievable. And, and you don't have to do a lot of deep research to find these things. I mean, a lot of this is public knowledge. You just won't hear about it from the fake media because they're liars. Exactly. And you spoke about the World Economic Forum and we're seeing a lot of changes. I mean, Vladimir Putin was a key leader with the World Economic Forum up until recently. I mean, I read that uh, he's actually been released from his membership, so to speak, with the World Economic Forum. And I need to have you help us understand what this means, specifically concerning all that Putin has done to promote the one world government. Yeah, that's a wonderful question, Pam. And, and without having access to the kind of confidential discussions that go on in the in the closed, smoky rooms, it's not always easy to to tell what's happening. Uh, and so, I, you know, I think there there's a legitimate question mark here. Uh, has Putin fallen out of favor with the one world elites, and and are they really trying to remove him now, or is this uh, just a giant show for public benefit? Uh, I'm inclined to believe that this is a giant show for public benefit, but that's not necessarily the case. You know, I, I compare the um, the one world cabal to uh, to a mafia. Right. And, and anybody who knows about mafia knows that they very often turn on each other. They often murder each other. You know, one's not happy that he has to serve under one. So he puts out a hit on his boss. And, you know, this, this is the world that these people live in. They're immoral. They're, they're, they're not just amoral. They are immoral. They are wicked to the core. And so when you have these groups of really, they're worse than any kind of mafia person that I can think of. These you know, mafia at least have some standards. They, they try not to murder people's wives and children and things. Uh, these global elites, they'll be more than happy to slaughter a million people, women and children included. But uh, when you're dealing with those kinds of people, um, they very often turn on each other. And so, you know, I think it's a it's within the realm of possibility that they may have actually turned on Putin for some reason. But for many years, it's it's crystal clear that Putin was not just playing ball with them, but he was an instrumental player in this. In fact, Klaus Schwab was bragging that Putin was one of his young global leaders. And I mean, that's on tape. We've got the video. Uh, we know that Putin and uh, Henry Kissinger, who's one of the lead uh, poodles for the One World Order uh, scheme, uh, have been very close to each other. I mean, they, they actually say publicly they go uh, to each other's houses for dinner. Uh, Putin referred to Kissinger as his very close ally. Uh, when Kissinger showed up in, in Moscow, Putin showered him with honorary doctorates and uh, brought all the foreign policies Said, oh, we all listen to what you have to say. So you know, very clearly, Putin was serving the interests of the One World Order. He was also, it, it, his actions made that very clear as well. Uh, he's, he's been building what he calls the Eurasian Union and uh, using that Eurasian Union to play off uh, the European Union and things like that. And that's exactly the strategy that Henry Kissinger outlined, that uh, to build the One World Order, you got to divide the world up into regional orders. So I think it's entirely possible that they may have turned against Putin, although his nuclear weapons uh, are a complicating factor. But I think it's probably more likely that this is being stage managed behind the scenes. Uh, you know, when you look at the results of what's happening, what you see is a giant leap forward for the One World Order agenda. You've got all these countries that had kind of retained elements of their independence and their sovereignty now rushing to give it up. Uh, you've got the Finns wanting to join NATO. You've got the Swedes wanting to join NATO. You've got Ukraine desperate to join the European Union. 
Um, you've got uh, the UN now being uh, encouraged to take on a greater role in um, basically becoming a global government and settling differences and things. So I think what's probably happened is you know, they've, they've made the decision that you know, Eurasia will have to go to war with East Asia for now because it's the, the most convenient thing for their one world agenda. But uh, just like in, in 1984, the alliances will shift constantly and then we'll forget that we were ever at war with Eurasia. And, we, you know, it's, it's just uh, very ridiculous how that that all happens. It's um, dangerous. And, uh, and, I, and I think Putin is dangerous, but I think all the, the globalists in the West are dangerous as well. And I think once the dust settles, we'll have a more clear picture of what was really happening. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of a one world government to displace God and have man be God goes way back to the Tower of Babel, or Babel as some people refer to it. But it's not new. It's, it's ancient. And I know that it even in our contemporary times, this push for a one world government has been underway for a very long time. I first remember hearing it popularized by George W. Bush, really a major proponent here in America for a one world order. But there have been several administrations and people in positions of influence and authority ever since that have really been pushing for that here from American soil. What would you want us to understand about how our own government has actually been selling us out, actually aligning us to be rid of our own sovereignty. Yeah, and then that's a great way to put it. Our our government has sold out our sovereignty. They've sold out the best interests of our people. They've sold out our constitution, all of it, without any semblance of consent of the governed. And um, it, it's very clear what their objective is. In fact, uh, in the last few decades, they've gotten so bold that they've actually started telling us clearly what they were up to. Like George H.W. Bush said that we want a one world order where the rule of law will govern the conduct of nations. He's, of course, talking about a global legal system, obviously operated by the U.N. They've got global courts, global cops, global uh, troops. And then he, he went on to specify that uh, a credible United Nations would use its peacekeeping role. He's talking about their military to implement the vision of the UN's founders, which we know was a one world totalitarian government. We know that because the history and the documentation is crystal clear. And uh, just uh, very recently, in the last week or so, we had Joe Biden saying, hey, we're, we're now going to work on building a new world order. And he said it, that America should lead this new world order. Uh, his handlers know very well that they're in the process now of dismantling American leadership of the world order. And they have been very clear. I mean, if you want to see what their policy objectives are, one good place to go is to read the uh, the magazine Foreign Affairs. It's the Journal of the Council on Foreign Relations. I call that uh, deep state headquarters here in the United States. And they have for at least a decade now publicly been advocating for a transition from the unipolar world order where the United States leads uh, with, with kind of an unchallenged supremacy with a hegemonic uh, stature to a multipolar world order where, um, most recently, just in the last year, the Council on Foreign Relations called for a concert of nations to shepherd the world order and suggested that, hey, it doesn't matter if they're mass murdering dictatorships or if they're elected or not, you know, we just got to take the most important countries and we're going to use them to shepherd the world order. And and I think that's the process that we're witnessing right now. Uh, We're we're seeing the U.S. um, economy, the U.S. military, the U.S. prestige and credibility being deliberately dismantled, uh, really a controlled demolition of those things so that this new order can come into view. And George Soros said very clearly some years ago in an interview with the Financial Times that communist China should own the new world order. And I think by the time the dust settles here from this uh, catastrophe that's in the works, um, communist China will essentially own the world order, but not on their own. You know, uh, communist China came to power with help of these treasonous Western elites. Uh, they were built into a global superpower with help from these treasonous global elites. And um, uh, once you understand that, you, you really start to see 
where this is going, how we got here, and what the ultimate objective is, which is a global totalitarian system. You know, it's tragic what's happening in Ukraine. I mean, people are being maimed, killed, children. It goes on and on. I, I can barely put my mind around it. I don't like thinking about it, but it's true that these people are being war-torn. If I'm not mistaken, wars have intentionally been created throughout history to promote economy of some sort. And I know that with this effort for a one world order, there has to be a mechanism already in place, an effort already in place for a one world currency or a central bank of some sort. How can you help us understand that? I know I'm leaving you with a very important unanswered question at this point, but listen to next week's podcast to learn Alex's response. Regarding what you heard today, I mentioned I first heard President George W. Bush promote a new world order, but I found a link for you to listen to a compilation of the many leaders who have promoted one world order right here from the United States, which of course means the dismantling of the United States. Alex mentioned Hunter Biden's role with the Burisma Company, but did you know Mitt Romney's son, Nancy Pelosi's son, John Kerry's son? are also on the board of directors for the energy companies doing business in the Ukraine, and they are raking in enormous amounts of money for their expertise. Did you know the United States has sent taxpayer dollars and tax dollar purchase of weaponry to the Ukraine to the tune of $5.4 billion since 2014? And on March 3rd, Biden sought $10 billion more from Congress after spending $1.4 billion recently. And in 2022 alone, over 90 tons of military equipment has been sent to the Ukraine. Did you know Biden recently stated he wants the United States to lead the way of the New World Order? I have a link for you to hear that in his own words in the show notes. Alex also mentioned Mr. Pinchuk. Did you know that in 2008, he made a five-year, $29 million commitment to the Clinton Global Initiative? The pledge was to fund a program to train future Ukrainian leaders and professionals, quote, to modernize Ukraine, end quote, according to the Clinton Foundation. Did you know that the Clinton Foundation that had recently been closed has now been reopened and receiving donations? Knowing the Clinton Foundation has always been a pay-to-play organization giving access to political leaders to gain their alliance, we must ask why the foundation is open again at this time. Learn more by reading the article I have listed in the show notes. Also, just as God has said through his prophets, the mainstream media will be forced to tell truth, and we may be seeing some of that come out, at least in part. The New York Times recently ran an article about Hunter Biden's laptop. A link for you is in the show notes. As Prophet Julie Green says, God gives us the news before the news so we can be forewarned and forearmed. Speaking through Julie and others, God has told us how we are to partner with him and be engaged in the battle to realize his victory. We must do all within our ability to discover and live in life-giving truth to experience all the hope truth provides. And you can do this through listening to my podcasts and that of other truthers. We must also proclaim truth, stand on truth, and openly renounce deception. We must publicly stand against all that sets itself up against the word of God. And we must claim victory, healing, redemptive rights as God's children, claim freedom and finances. All of these have been provided by Jesus, so don't let the enemy rob or steal them from you or your loved ones. Each week, I bring information to you to cause you to know the truth, to be set free by the truth, 
and to no longer have any excuse or claim to ignorance. Now is the time for God's people to take their place in his plan, along with God's assigned angels and the power of the Holy Spirit, to cause the advances of the enemy to retreat and see God's kingdom will done on earth as it is in heaven. If you like the content I bring with my podcast, you will like the work that I do through all of my ministry. Check out my multi-award-winning Faith to Live by book series. There are six books in the series so far. If you've benefited from what I've shared today, I ask you to show your support in whatever way you can. Purchasing my books and products is one way you can show your support. And it's my prayer that you, my listeners, will become the supporters of this ministry. Donations are certainly accepted, but they're not currently tax deductible. So to express my appreciation, any gift of $25 or more, I'll send you one of my books autographed and personalized just for you. Or if you'd rather, I'll send you five of the Make America Godly Again high-quality vinyl bumper stickers. Please visit my web store to learn more about the products and services available through my ministry work. And when you purchase through my web store, be sure to use the promo code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, at checkout, and you'll receive a 20% discount. And if you didn't know, I'm coming up on my 100th podcast, which is cause for celebration. I plan on giving away some of my books and more, so listen to the next few shows leading up to the 100th edition and learn how you can be eligible to win a free gift to celebrate with me. I love personally connecting with my listeners, so please check out my new dedicated podcast listeners page beyond the podcast. Here's where you can let me know about you. I've actually created an easy-to-complete form that you can use. The more I know about you and your needs, the better I can serve you. And you can get to that page by visiting PamelaChristianMinistries.com slash beyond the podcast. My blog is an extension of my podcast. I don't duplicate on my blog what I share on this podcast, so be sure to check it out. And I'm pleased to share my blog has been awarded two unsolicited awards for Christian content. We can also connect on social media. I'm really active there, and you'll find my links in the show notes. Oh, and don't forget to take advantage of the free resources and bonus items listed on the show notes and on my webpage, faithtoliveby.com. From there, you can also subscribe to my complimentary e-newsletter. And as a new subscriber, you can choose one of the three gifts I offer in appreciation for your subscription. Subscribing will also make you a preferred member, where you'll receive special announcements and offers not available to others. And by subscribing, should anything happen to this podcast, I'll have a way to contact you to make sure you know where to find me. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever these features are available. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel and helps people learn how to better apply their Christian faith. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian asking you to remember Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for him. 